With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The following reflects neither the policies nor the thoughts of iHeartMedia or its employees. But we think it's probably a good idea to listen to it anyway. Money Sense is a presentation of Kirsten Wealth Management Group. As managing partners of Kirsten Wealth Management Group, your hosts, Dennis Kirsten, Brad Kirsten, and Kevin Kirsten, are professional financial advisors with LPL Financial with over 75 years of combined experience. They can be reached in their Perrysburg offices at 419-872-0067 or 800-875-1786. Their email address is kirstenwealth at lpl.com. Also, visit their website at kirstenwealth.com. Opinions voiced in this show are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult with your financial advisor prior to investing. Securities are offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA, SIPC. Good morning and welcome to Money Sense. You're listening to the advisors of Kirsten Wealth Management Group, Kevin Kirsten and Brad Kirsten. Happy to be along with you this morning. Uh, Brad, we're talking uh, markets here right now. We are still sort of trending along off the plateau that we saw at the end of the year. The market uh, sold off a little bit, rallied off the bottom, and then is sort of meandering around i don't know another way to put it i mean we're not really seeing uh bullish trends we're not seeing bearish trends right now uh the market's kind of stuck in the mud if you will yeah we had a couple weeks of every time the fed would speak or there would be inflationary numbers uh the market would kind of sell off and now i feel like it wants to move higher but there's kind of two stories that are dominating the news it's the russia ukraine stuff and it's hard to figure out if that is if that's wag the dog scenario uh if there's bad news coming out politically maybe we want to we want to promote the the russia ukraine narrative because every time i'm seeing national news it doesn't seem like it's as dramatic over there as we're trying to make it well biden loves it yeah biden loves it it because it takes the pressure off of any bad things that are happening here not being able to get bills done or a little bit of this inflation we're not, we haven't talked about inflation yeah, while, while, while that's going on. Right, so. that's true. And or all of the Hillary stuff. You know, they started talking about it a week ago, and then over the weekend, uh, there's this John Durham uh, investigation that is looking kind of bad for Hillary, and no one's talking about it because they're they're trying to uh, absorb the news stories with the, the Russia-Ukraine stuff and the blockade that's pretty near here to Ohio of, of these Canadian bridges and the Canadian borders uh, for the truckers trying to do a little pushback. I In saw fact, today Ford, uh, Ford had to shut down a, a plant because they weren't getting parts, you know, out of out of Canada right. that they needed. Right. So that that does kind of hurt both of those kind of hurt the inflation narrative of it being able to be fixed by itself. Tell me why the Fed raising rates is going to help a a shipping and, and trucking blockade for Auto, automobiles or how the fed raising rates helps the russian ukraine and driving oil prices higher narrative it doesn't help at all so i us the i'm, I'm going to keep falling back to the fed can only do so much and they know it so why would they bother raising rates eight times over the next 18 months it's not going to fix anything well and we get back to the fed in this in a second i want to make a comment here on this russia stuff in the last five years six years now going back to 20 well, probably five, five years going back to 2016, 20, 2017. Yeah. The ratio of Russia talk to the ratio of how Russia affects my daily life is so it's out of whack. Charts. Off the charts. I, does, does, does Russia affect your day? I mean, between Russia interfering with the election, Russia this, Russia that, Russia into Ukraine, Russia into Crimea, yeah. Russia here. I, I'm sorry. I don't care. And and neither should anyone else, except that it drives the uh, the price at the pump up. I mean, in the but end, the election that the only people they arrested for the election thing was like three people who who had Facebook posts that had interactions of like less than a hundred thousand people. Yeah, that's the people they arrested uh, from Russia. From Russia, yeah. and now it turns out we know this now for a fact that Hillary was trying to 
get in on Trump's computers to plant information about Russia. What? Ru- why? Yeah. This this is a country however many thousands of miles away. I I don't care. And if it, and if the only tie we have right now is a little bit of Russian oil and natural gas imports, cut it off. Just do it all here. We certainly have enough. We have more than enough. Natural more than gas. enough. We could be completely one hundred percent self sufficient. We were an exporter of oil and natural gas under Trump, and we kind of flipped over the last two years. We don't need it. Well, and the last thing I want to see is American troops going over there and risking their lives for this. I mean, I've kind of come full circle on this in the last 20 years since the Iraq war, Brad. You have to come back and say, why, at a certain point? Yeah. What is this? We have our own problems. We have our own issues. And the more I listen to a politician like a Rand Paul, I start to think to myself, why are we wasting the lives? Why are we wasting the money? money? Yeah. And does it really affect us? Right. And, and that was that was obviously Trump's approach. Um, I think there's a lot of people coming around to that. And there's so many people out there that are that slam their fists. And you have to wonder the farther you look into it, you know, oh, well, oh, it looks like they got a donation from Raytheon. Look at that. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, you watch enough of this stuff and you really start to get skeptical that you about can follow the, the money and see what the real motive is for for some of these politicians. Well, and anybody worried about it with the stock market doesn't know the history of these geopolitical events. Anytime they cause any kind of sell-off on the market, they are a buying opportunity, and you don't even have to to figure out when it's when the bombs drop in Iraq in '91. That was the low day of the market. We sold off a little going into it, and boom, straight up from there. Every one of these marks the 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 worry of it goes away the second it starts and within a day or two it's the bottom for that entire are, year in most cases well what are investors investors are always scared of 20 percent or more let's say yeah 20 percent or more okay i can go back to the last off the even off the top of my head the last 10 20 percent or more not one of them had anything to do with geopolitical war fighting whatever okay so let's let's take it back really quick brad 2020 covid COVID. 2018 fed went too far fed went too far and a little bit of of china uh dealings but we uh, had covid and fed we had covid and fed i'm i'll i'm gonna put 80 percent of it in 2018 that was on Uh, the fed yeah okay uh then you go back to 2011 okay we had oil price spike and a possible default among several countries in Europe mm-hmm. in terms of so so really you could really point back to 2011 as recession in Europe and financial related mm-hmm. okay because there's there was risk of default well, Greece well that was well the October one was our uh, our, our debt getting downgraded as Greece, well Italy okay 2008 financial crisis. financial crisis yeah. debt bubble debt. bursting in in housing debt crisis debt yeah. crisis 2002 dot com bubble bursting also 9-11, but 9-11 uh, was really a short-term sell-off that rebounded in about three months. And what, what took us down in the end was the recession following the dot-com bubble bursting, mm-hmm. okay? You go back to 1990, well, you recession. go 97, you had a 19% sell-off in 97, That was, that which was, was um, fueled by, uh, uh, there was some defaults. De- default down, uh, downgrades and defaults of, uh, of currencies. So once again, debt. Yeah. Debt. Over leverage, mm-hmm. over leverage. 1990, recession. 1987, sort of, uh, you know, you're getting into the first time we really brought computers heavily into the stock market. Yep. And there were some really some things that went haywire there. Really not economic related at all in 1987. No, no just kind of the functionality of the market running up too much and then a little bit of sell off that got exaggerated because of our new systems in, in computerized trading. 1982, inflation, inflation. and recession. Yeah. 1973 and 74, recession. OK, there. Show me the one that's oh, the bombs dropped. So I was supposed to sell none. Yeah. I mean, we had nuclear missiles. One, 60. What is it? What? How far is Cuba from uh, Florida? 90 miles? Less than 100 miles. Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, less than 100 miles. Oh, less than 100 miles. Yep. OK. Uh, those were nuclear missiles. Yeah. And we had a sell off, by the way, but it rebounded within months mm-hmm. and it wasn't a 20 percent sell off. It, it wasn't even a 15% sell-off. So I was looking at Ryan Dietrich here, Brad. Uh, he's got geopolitical events going back about 40 or 50 years. Oh, I have Cuban Missile Crisis right here. 6.6%. 6.6%. Yeah, so if you're worried about the <laughs> Russian stuff because 
we started the rumor that they were going to drop nuclear bombs. I, that didn't come from any news source other than American news sources, by the way. But if that's what you're worried about, that if Ukraine joins the EU, China or Russia's going to drop nukes, well, that worry here uh, only caused a 6% uh, re- recession or sell-off here in, in America back in, 19, in the 60s. The worst one on here is Pearl Harbor at 20%. Okay, that's that's certainly a unique circumstance. Other than Pearl Harbor, the worst one on here would have been the sell-off after 9/11 mm-hmm. at 11.6%. 11. 11, I didn't even realize 9/11. I thought it was worse than that. Mm-hmm. These days, 11.6 doesn't even sound like that much to me, mm-hmm. right? Does that sound like that much to you? 11. That's all we drop. It, it all depends where you're coming from, right? And I think that's the perspective. Well, the market was already down. Right. Leading into that. Yeah, so 11.9 at the end of a sell-off is significant. Right. 11.9 if you're up a bunch doesn't seem like much. That's the period of time that we're in now. So, I mean, we are are coming up. I mean, Reagan got shot, and the market went down (laughs) 0.3. On that day? (laughs) On that day. Uh, Going back here, let's see here. Kennedy assassination, minus 2.8, high to low. Okay. Uh some of these are way, way, you know, 50s and 60s or whatever it is. So the point is, there has never been an example of a geopolitical issue that significantly took the market down. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and there's two things that we've got had to be worried about the last 20 years, and that is debt and over leverage and the Fed. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And the bigger sell offs, I mean, except for COVID, the bigger sell offs are always because we have a bubble somewhere. And guess what? If you're only down a little this year, you avoided the biggest bubble we've had in the last 10 years, which was the the innovation bubble that everyone thought post-COVID was going to be our new world and new economy. And stocks that were up 100% are now down 80%, and they're down below their pre-COVID level. So they had this huge run of stay-at-home everything, and all those stocks had great earnings for a year. And even though their earnings are up, their prices are off more than they were even up. They're they're down below their pre-COVID level, but the market is not. And I think that's what people have to understand is, even though we've had a little sell-off, the market is up significantly, not just for the bottom, but let's talk about the high level before COVID because we're coming up on the anniversary, uh, what it'll be today when this show is airing. Two years ago, February 19th, marked the high before COVID. Market was up just shy of 5%. It, on on February nineteenth, two thousand and twenty, it was the high day before COVID. Okay, the level of the S and P five hundred on that day was three thousand three hundred and eighty six. We are at the two year anniversary of that. Now, step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now you wanna get mixed up in the family business? Introducing. The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. All of our listeners, think about how much you think we're up from the high point before the COVID sell-off to today. And and everyone feels a little bit of this current sell-off that we're in. But if I said that we're up 31% from two years ago, I think it would surprise a lot of people. The high point before COVID to today. And today is absorbing a 9% overall market sell-off, and we're still up 31%, well above a long-term average 
including the downturn of COVID, including the downturn before the 2020 election. Essentially, we're and at that two. You're saying that two-year anniversary. We right are now. right at it. Yep. Right at it. Today is the two-year anniversary of the pre-COVID level, the high point of that year, 4.8 percent on February 19, 2020. We went down for COVID back up. Took five months, five weeks to go down, five months to go back up to the same level. Then we went all the way up, kind of peaked out at the at the end of the year. This year, 2021, last year uh, peaked, went up uh, went up a few days beginning of the year, but we had this 10% sell-off that at, ended on January 24th, and we're meandering around that same level now. But if you were if you did nothing from pre-COVID to today, the overall market, the stocks in your portfolio gave you an above-average return, including all these sell-offs that we had. So that. The, the market is significantly higher. I think a lot of people think this sell-off that we're in took us back down to levels that we were at in 2020. They did not. They took you back to a, a couple months ago. And this is this is a healthy retracement of the market where the things that were up more than they should have, that bubble burst. And if you didn't participate in that bubble bursting, you've done well to only be down a few percent. Well, and, and that's a 15% roughly annualized gain in the last two years, including the current sell-off that we're in. Yeah. And if, if you would have said to somebody, hey, the S&P, even before you even knew about COVID, the yeah. next two years is going to do 15% annualized, they, everybody they, would sign up for that. They take it. And if you told them it was going to include a 35% sell-off and two different 10% sell-offs, they, would, they wouldn't believe you that we'd be up 31% total return. And I think we're in a situation now, and you mentioned that bubble bursting, the stay-at-home stocks, the bubble bursting there. I am really encouraged by the fact that we had a bubble burst. We did. We had a dot-com style bubble burst in the last year. In the last year. In yeah. the last year. And it was a whoosh at the end. I mean, from mid-December to today, it it, ex it got exaggerated. It was, things were already down 20 30%, and then they went. They doubled that. By the way. most down 60 70%. If, if you didn't know this and you didn't notice this, congratulations. You have a good financial advisor. Yeah. OK, because and I, I think m maybe one of the best ways to measure this, Brad, would be the ARC Innovation ETF, not a recommendation to buy or sell. I'm not even sure if I have to say that on an ETF, but I'm going to. Um, that's really the, the measure to me. This is an ETF that went up after COVID, Brad, over 300 percent. OK, it peaked out almost a year ago today uh, and it dropped from one hundred and fifty seven a share down to less than 70 okay so more and that's an index 66. Of, that's an index of 50 different stocks like we're talking about right now they, she's got some 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 blue chip technology stocks in there as well but the majority of that are the high-flying names of 2020 where the bubble burst and if you're not down 50 percent that's you don't own it. That's fifty-eight percent. Yeah, that is a that is a bubble. That's a bubble burst. bursting. That's a bubble that's burst. What, that's 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 a one year. That's a one year return. By the way, yeah, that's negative one 50, year. That's a one year return. Negative fifty-eight percent. So, if you look at the health of this overall market and the fact that we are, what six percent from the highs, seven percent from the highs, and we had an entire subsector drop fifty-eight percent in the last year, that's one of the healthiest markets I can figure out. Well. I mean, you look at the dot com, the actual dot com bubble bursting. Okay, you had the the Nasdaq 100 drop 70 plus percent, about 70 percent. Mm -hmm. So yep. this is maybe not quite as bad, but the overall market dropped 44 percent. Yeah, the S and P did. Yeah, in that period. Yes. And what did it do over the as that bubble burst? The overall market gave us a positive return over the last year, including this current sell off. And there's only one sector, communication services, that was negative over that period of time. The only one. And the only other one that didn't give us a double-digit return was utilities, and it was up 9.5%. So I really think that's an exciting development. That's that's a development where, number one, being a little bit more proactive, taking an active approach, don't follow the fad of the day, which we always advise against, okay? Stay diversified. And now today, I think you look through the rubble. Yeah. You look through the rubble and you say to yourself, okay. Even in those names, uh, of uh, the healthier of those names, at these levels, off 70% from the high? Well, and here's the other thing, Brad. You look at the dot-com bubble, okay? And we talked about that bursting. You pick through the rubble, what'd you find? You, you found, found Amazon and you found, Apple. And Microsoft, yeah. 
Okay, you found these names when you picked through the rubble of the dot-com bubble burst. Not a recommendation to buy or sell any of those names. But you found that. The, the Internet was a game changer, and yet people lost a ton of money. Okay, And so when you pick through the rubble and you look today, I see a much more reasonable valued growth and tech index. Okay, I see a healthier tech index than 25 years ago. These companies have tons of cash, lots of cash flow coming in month after month. They have pricing power. And I really think the thing to look at today with inflation, and this is why maybe more than we've ever in our firm, Brad, we've ever seen before is, I hate to be boring about this, but you want to maintain the balance because the tech companies aren't affected by inflation like the industrial manufacturing companies. Let's take our first pause to come back and, and stick on that subject and talk about why. Why, even, even after this sell-off here, you don't want to ignore technology. And if you have none, you might want to think about rebalancing because they can be an inflationary hedge because of a lot of different components of those companies. You're listening to Advisors of Kirsten Wealth Management Group. We'll be right back. And welcome back. You're listening to the Advisors of Kirsten Wealth Management Group. Brad Kirsten along with Kevin Kirsten here this morning. We're talking, inflation's been the story all year. So we're talking about not ignoring technology and communication services. Uh, when we're talking about building the portfolio for the rest of this year, we're going to have inflation and higher inflation. I think it'll subside a little bit on its own. And at some point over the next year or two, we're going to have some quarterly inflationary ticks that'll be negative. But you t you think about the components of inflation, especially ones that affect companies, you've got all the input costs of wages and running facilities in some cases. Some of these tech companies have a tenth, even with the same revenue, a tenth of the employee base uh, that some of the large established companies and in industrials, materials have. Um, and so it, wage inflation doesn't affect them as much because they don't have as many employees. They're not buying raw materials at double the prices they were. Uh, they're not buying uh, lumber prices at 50% at, at higher than they were two years ago. They, they are not as affected by that, and they have some pricing power and, and are constantly increasing prices and still have demand. So it, it can be an inflationary hedge to make sure that your sectors are weighted to some of these that can take advantage of, of higher prices and are not affected by higher wage cost uh, with their company. Yeah, I mean, it, it, and the other thing you have to look at is – and be a little bit careful is what are the companies that have the the heavy input costs where they're going to get hardest with inflation. Now, the good news is those are a lot of those value areas. They haven't run up like the tech sector has in the last 10 years. So they're much more reasonably priced. And this is why we say you want to maintain the balance. Tech companies have pricing power. They have low input costs. A lot of them have low debt. Some of them don't. You want to make sure you, to me, you want to stick with the higher quality uh, names these days. But in 10 or 15 years, do you think the uh, the S&P 500 will be about the same, more tech, less tech? I don't think it's going to shrink dramatically. So it's going to be something that you're going to you're going to want to have exposure to. And by the way, here's the good news. With with indexes and active management, th the beautiful thing about it is it's it's self-adjusting. Mm -hmm. Okay? If you just bought a large cap blend fund 30 years ago, 40 years ago, it probably had a lot less tech than it does today. There's just more names. It's a bigger part of the economy, and therefore, you end up with more. You ended up just buying a little bit more along the way, and it was a bigger weighting of your portfolio for the last five years when it performed well. And so that's that's how indexing, especially for where it's the only choice in your 401k, people look at their 401k and say, hey, I've done pretty well. Well, you did the right thing by owning well, in some cases, it's all you had available to you, but you owned the indexes that were the better performers. But we're in a, we're in a period of time where some indexes, especially if you've been chasing returns, can be too overweight there, and you're not as diversified as you think, uh, mainly because they're market cap weighted, and the top three, four holdings can represent 30 40% of the entire index if you don't own the right index. Right. So, I was, uh, going back to something we were just talking about a minute ago, I was just looking, and it's not a recommendation to buy or sell either one. Walmart has 2.2 million employees. Facebook has 44,000. Yeah. So wages go up by 10%. Who's it affect more? It's That's un unbelievable what they generate for very few employees. I have no idea if either stock will do well. I'm just pointing out the inflationary effect on a company like a Walmart, a company like th th that 
that has more uh, manufacturing is going to have more commodity issues. So today, what do you do? You know, what's the answer? Number one, a lot of times this is already happening to people's portfolios, Brad, and they don't even realize it. Like I said, these things are self-adjusting. You're getting more tech. You want more tech? Guess what? Even if you just own the S&P 500, you got more tech. Yeah. It was like it's twenty seven and a half percent of the, the S and P five hundred right now. It was half of that two decades ago. Oh yes, and energy. By the way, oh, I want less energy. I want less energy. You got less energy. It was like fifteen percent of the S and P in the early eighties. Yeah. Now it's three. Now that's a that's a good value sector right now. Going back to our point, maintain the balance. Okay, the high flying tech has had the most volatility recently. This is why you wanted to have value in your portfolio. Okay, emerging markets are up this year. Don't abandon things just because they have a bad recent performance. Mm -hmm. Yeah, if you're (laughs) diversified, especially if you're in the distribution phase of your retirement, if you're diversified, you you should always have something that is maybe not always up, but something that's always outperforming. And if you're not diversified across sectors, the same thing can happen. So right now, financials, energy, they're up on the year. If you needed to sell something for a withdrawal, you certainly could find something that you're selling that is up on the year and not having to sell something down on the year. That's an important part of smoothing the road out and improving your performance over time when you're in distribution. Here's the performance of the three growth sectors this year. Large growth, minus 10. Mid growth, minus 12. uh, Small growth, minus uh, 11.2. Value, large value, minus 1.8. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Small value, minus 3.3. Mid value, minus 3. Uh, large foreign, minus 2. Emerging markets, up. Okay, These are all portfolios that if you looked at the 5 and the 10-year number on your 401k, you probably don't own them because you didn't like them. Oh, it's not, not very good. What goes up the most is going to have the most volatility on the way down. And, and I know we always preach this on this show, Brad, but I think now more than ever, you want to have that balance. You want to have diversification, including stocks versus bonds because some people might say brad during this current correction oh if i had just owned if i just got out at the end of the year it was a only own bonds yeah just only own bonds we'll see how you would have done the s p 500 is down uh 5.9 i mentioned that year to date okay uh the aggregate bond index is down 4.2 so where was the hiding place yeah the hiding place was in things that were not up emerging markets yeah that's the only thing up. You did better in emerging markets this year, year to date, than you did in the total bond index. Okay, so the point is, it's not about picking a top and getting out and getting back in. Okay, it's about maintaining that balance so that you smooth out the ride for your overall portfolio. Uh, you know, people often talk about the risk-free. Ret- what's the risk-free rate? What's the risk-free rate? Right. Well, minus four point two on the aggregate bond. That's that's rate-free risk. Because mm-hmm. you're getting no rate mm-hmm. and you're taking risk. And this is why last week we talked about market neutral. We talked about alternatives. Those are flat on the year. Mm-hmm. Okay. So those are some areas where you could have buffered your bond downside. And so there's a lot of different things you want to have in. And and maybe more than ever today, uh, not only diversification, Brad, but also 
have a few managers in there, especially in your retirement account, that that are picking the good from the bad, that are stock picking, right? Yeah, I, there, there are certain indexes where it's it's hard for managers to beat, and others where it's it's pretty easy. The the fixed income part of the portfolio, the bonds in your portfolio, are one where managers consistently beat for a lot of different reasons. And I think it's important to not index the bonds. If we look at the uh, the areas of the market where you see it, it's more small, more so than large. International, more than U.S. And value more than growth, actually. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the large value managers have a much better track record than the large growth managers compared of, outperformance. To, of outperformance compared to the index. Why? Because they have conviction. Large value managers typically buy a stock and the time the, horizon the is, time long. is a lot longer. And yeah. when their idea finally pans out, that's when they get their outperformance. So we could cer certainly see that in the coming years as well. So maintain balance. Don't load up on one type of bond. And and I think people will do pretty well. And this is not a crazy correction that we're in. Mm. I mean, this is not unusual. Uh, we, you and I talked earlier in the week. We got a little spoiled in the last year. Even if you're in a 60-40 stock-to-bond portfolio, you should expect at least two negative statements in a year, mm -hmm. even in a good year. Yeah. So prepare yourself for that because we had very few of those last year, and I think people got a little lulled to sleep. Let's take our next pause, come back and talk a little bit more about inflation. I want to talk uh, uh, one thing that I saw in the Wall Street Journal, and I feel like it might be a, a chase the headline, chase the return, and I want to just kind of educate people and warn people away from from things that probably seem too good to be true and probably are. You're listening to Money Sense, the advisors of Kirsten and Wealth Management Group. We'll be right back. And welcome back to the show. You're listening to the advisors of Kirsten Wealth Management Group, Kevin Kirsten and Brad Kirsten. As a reminder, we are professional financial advisors with our offices in Perrysburg. If you want to give us a call throughout the week, set up your own consultation, or if you just have some questions about your own financial plan, 419-872-0067, or check us out online at kirstenwealth.com. You can contact us from there and read some information about our firm and also get weekly updates for our weekly market commentary. I have that right here. It talks about the Valentine's Day index, since it is Valentine was Valentine's Day this week. Uh, talking about inflation and the items uh, in, Valent in, in the Valentine's index that uh, some economists actually follow, Brad. Uh, that was up 7.5% on the year. Uh, talked about what it costs to eat out, what it costs to cook dinner in, jewelry, vacation, all the things that go into Valentine's Day. We're hit pretty hard by inflation as well. So you can check that out on our website, KirstenWealth.com as well, Brad. You so, know, talk about narrative real quick before mm -hmm. you change gears. I was just looking at the market returns of the day. And, you know, the CM CNBC group tends to pick the narrative of the day, but nobody ever calls them on misinformation, right? They say, we're down because now it looks like Russia might invade. Russia was not Russia, 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 yeah. Russia. So S&P is down 1% on the day. And the EFA index is down a half, and the Emerging Markets Index is down a half. You want to tell me why? If that's the truth, the countries yeah. closest to Ukraine would be down less. Well, I in a bubble, I would say, well, they're probably down more on the year, but they're not. They'd be down less if they were down more, but they're actually up on the year, and so they're down less. And on the year, they're actually up. So. It doesn't fit the narrative. And you see the same thing when someone says something on TV that I know to not be true about history of the market, and no one calls them on it. Well, how about the biggest one of all time? I'm going to call this the biggest narrative screw-up of all time. Okay. The market is down because of COVID. Yeah. When we dropped 30-plus percent in March of 20. People are getting sick. The market's down because of COVID. It was down because of government shutdown. Correct. Yeah. It was down because of lockdowns. Yeah. COVID had nothing to do with it. The stock market, unfortunately, is heartless. It doesn't care if people die. Yeah. It doesn't. Mm -hmm. Okay. The lockdown is what sent the market down. But everybody said COVID numbers up, COVID numbers down, market goes down. The only reason the market went up or down based on COVID numbers is because the market was scared of more lockdowns. Mm -hmm. That's right. it. That's it. And and the variance, it, that's that that was it. It wasn't the market wasn't worried about the variants or people dying. It was worried about the government's reaction to the variants. Now, I'm not saying we don't care about that. I'm not saying you shouldn't worry about that as a human being. But I'm saying that the narrative on CNBC was that the market cared about COVID. It did not. Yeah. Just like the market didn't doesn't care about a bad flu season. 
Yeah. Okay. We've had bad flu seasons. Nothing is bad as COVID. Fine. I don't even want to get into that argument. But my point is we've had flu seasons that were up or down hundreds of thousands of deaths in either direction. The stock market never cared. Well, and I think <laughs> that's why it's it's it can be a detriment if you're going to take action for what you see on TV. You could have an expert come on and say, I'm doing this or I'm doing that. That expert could change their mind tomorrow or the next week. And guess what? You might not be tuned in. So if you say, oh, I like that that guy or girl, he said or she said, I should do X, Y, Z. Well, that's what they say today. But you're not you're not paying for their advice. It's exactly free for you to listen to them today, but you're not following them and they're not managing your money. So to take action over something you see on TV or read, I think is is not good for your portfolio. So well, while we're on that, before you change subjects real quick, because there was something out in the last week from Johns Hopkins talking about the lockdowns. And no one really talked about it. It was in the Wall Street Journal. Mm-hmm. Lockdowns did not work. Johns Hopkins did the study. Okay. Uh, they looked at economic stringency indexes to say who locked down the most who who locked down the least the most stringent countries reduced covid mortality by 0. 0.1 0.1 now that's margin of error mm-hmm. if you ask me uh and so basically the study came out that lockdowns didn't work and no one's mentioning it okay and you think about the kind of money that we spend if you look at the ppp program bad paycheck protection uh, program all the money that went out to so you know small businesses allegedly um we spent $257,000, they estimate, per job retained mm. through PPP. Mm-hmm. Great, great, great money spent uh, there. So the lockdowns failed. They were Fauci's idea. And guess what? He still got a job. Yeah. I mean, it's unbelievable. Okay. And by the way, this doesn't even get into the other stuff that's coming out in the last couple of weeks, which is the lockdowns may have reduced COVID mortality by 0.1, but increased mortality, among other things, by vastly mm-hmm. in higher numbers yeah so if it's 0.1 but it increased everything else by five percent then it means that the that not only did the, the lockdowns not uh, not effective against the the prevention of of covid the net effect the net effect was worse was worse because we had more we i mean if you've seen the drug overdose death yeah. it's shocking drug overdoses suicides way up crime okay. deaths crime murders. violence way up okay people not going for their cancer screenings and their heart disease uh their heart checkups okay we're not even we haven't even begin to touch the surface of that all because of fauci's lockdown mm-hmm. okay and so when you when you look at at what happened and what the market narrative is on any given day you know this all goes back to that okay market the people say oh, the market likes this the market doesn't like that no they, they're not always correct. Today's a perfect example of that with the European indexes being up, being down a lot less yeah, than so the United it's, States. It's not the narrative, right? There's there's a lot of things to be worried about. And uh, ultimately, it's earnings that drive the market. And if some of the things we're worried about we think are going to affect earnings, well, then that's meaningful. But so far, earnings have been good. The market has gotten cheaper. Over over the last year, it got cheaper. And now it got even cheaper over the last six weeks. I want to flash forward to something else, Kevin, that I think is going to get talked about here for the next month and give a little just a little education on this. When we talk about bonds and individual bonds in particular, I think people have this awareness that whatever my rate is, I'm going to be able to lock that in if I just hold it to the end, whether it's a treasury bond or a corporate bond or a municipal bond. If I bought an individual bond, Yes, the price might go up and down, but my rate is my rate, and if I hold it to maturity, that's what I'm going to get. Well, there's a headline uh, and an article in Monday's Wall Street Journal about about savings bonds that are going to pay you 7.12%. Well, it's a Series I savings bonds, and while the current rate through April, the annualized rate of that six-month period is 7.12, it is an inflationary bond, and while it has two components— the majority of that component is going to be inflation. And what it pays you is is the six-month prior inflation rate. So there's going to be a point in time where oil prices drop off, wages drop off, all these components that go negative, where these bonds that are, I think, I think they're 20-year bonds, 20-year bonds uh, will pay you nothing for a given six months because we're going to have negative inflation. Now, they won't take from you. There just won't be an interest payment. Now, is the current six months annualized rate 7.12? Yes, but then it gets reset every six months for the life of the bond. Now, in the first five years, you give up three months interest to to sell it early, 
And after the five years, you can you can sell it freely in the open market. But all you're getting is this current snapshot in time where we have inflated inflation because of a lot of different things, mostly because of the COVID shutdown and now reopening that's happening in a kind of an odd way and Russia and the blockade uh, at the at the Canadian border. And when all those things are gone, and if you think they're going to be here for 20 years, by all means, go ahead and buy an, an I savings bond. But if not, there are going to be a period of time where we go back to either normal inflation and you get what these have paid over time, which is about 2%, or you're going to have a period of time where they pay nothing because after a series of very high inflation, just like a series of very high earnings reports, at some point you can't keep up or with inflation – Take oil, for instance. We're almost at $100 a barrel oil. For us to have the same as the 50% increase we have seen over the last 12 months, we would have to have $150 a barrel oil next right. year, and then 225 the year after and, that. And you're already starting to see those in the fl- inflation numbers, uh, the, the comparisons, the comps yeah. are, are starting Comparing to, a year over year. Yeah, and it's starting to roll over. It's going to be very difficult to see the numbers sustain this level. Yeah. You're going to see them come down. Now, I'm sure the Fed then is going to, in turn, pat themselves on the back, say, look what we did. Fine. I don't care. And, and what I really think, if anything, the Fed did was preemptively get the, get rates to move, change economic activity slightly. And I think, I, I hope, you know, you got your fingers crossed on this, but they've learned the lesson of the past couple of times where they have, in terms of raising rates, they've sort of been very dovish and and not talked about it Mm -hmm. and then in the meetings they sound like they're going even higher yeah i think that they it looks to me like they've had meetings they say no we're gonna talk this way up yep and then we're just gonna do a little we can do a little bit less in the past they 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 turned the uh the wheel on the on the ship and they kept spinning it until they saw that it turned but what you have to do is turn the wheel on the ship and when we start to turn you got to straighten it out a little bit. Exactly. And see where we end up. That's, that's a so really good So that's what they're doing. So uh, just wrapping up there on the iSavings bond, if you're seeing any headlines about 7.12%, resets every every six months. That's not your guaranteed rate for the life of the bond. It's just the guaranteed rate for a six-month period, and it will follow inflation like it always does. Not as extreme, but like finding a dividend stock that pays seven and thinking that that's guaranteed too, right? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> that's a lot more volatile than, than the bond would be, but the point is – Unlike other bonds, this the, is this is not act the same. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So we're gonna take our last pause. You're listening to Money Sense. Brad and Kevin Kirsten. We'll be right back. And welcome back to the show. You're listening to the advisors of Kirsten Health Management Group. Brad, Kevin Kirsten, and Brad Kirsten. Happy to be with you. We are on our last uh, segment here, Brad. And I want to shift gears a little bit. Something that could apply to people uh, preparing for retirement. In retirement, we always want to follow along with legislation that is uh, changing things here. So we have. Uh, sort of 10 provisions that we've put together that we think are most important to our listeners on uh, a new bipartisan retirement legislation. It looks like it's going to go through uh, sometime uh, in the next couple of weeks. This is fine-tuning the SECURE Act from 2020 and and, uh, uh, adding a few things, fine-tuning a few things in the SECURE Act. Right. So number one, tax credits for small businesses starting retirement plans. So if if you're a small business and you haven't started a 401k, you're going to be incentivized to do so. Uh, There are some, some benefits already, but even more so, a three-year tax credit for small businesses starting a plan, 50% of all administrative costs uh, can be written off up to an annual cap of $5,000, covering 100% of startup costs to start the plan. You know, a, 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 a typical 401k plan for, say, 10 or 20 employees, you know, a small business, what do you, what, what do you think that roughly? Well, yeah, year one's probably five grand and uh, half of that uh, maybe going forward on a small plan. Right, so you'd yeah. be able to write half of that off. Uh, up to five grand per year. Uh, dollar for dollar credit for employer contributions up to a thousand per employee. So that's pretty nice. Yeah. Uh, Anything to encourage more investing is good and more matching. Yeah, exactly. Uh, full additional credit would be limited to employers with fifty or fewer employees. Phased out for employers with fifty-one to a hundred. Uh, applicable percentage would be a hundred percent in the first and second year, seventy-five, then fifty, then twenty-five. This is important because this is this is the group of employers that don't want the fiduciary risk or getting sued because it didn't go right, and so they're just avoiding even setting the plans I mean, up. Think about this: if you had forty employees and you contributed five hundred dollars per employee per year as a match to the four hundred one k, you get a total tax credit over five years of seventy thousand mm-hmm. dollars. 
That's pretty significant. Yeah. So everybody wins. The employee wins because they're getting more and incentivizing the employer to pour money in. And the employer does not uh, – it, it doesn't cost the employer the full amount of that. I mean, this is a this is a tax break. I, I This is something I can get behind. Yeah. Right? Putting more money in people's pockets and encouraging savings, uh, which we need more of in this country. And, oh, by the way, the, the government's out nothing because this is money that the government it's, – it's, it's the employer or the taxpayer's – dollars they get to keep exactly it's not taking money out of the government's pocket exactly number two increasing the uh, required distribution age to 73 then 74 then 75 over the next three years so i think that that gives uh, investors more flexibility in retirement you can always still you can, you can still take money out but you don't have to you don't have to exactly yeah. and then it, just like they did last time probably bumping up those tables again so it used to be 27.4 for 70 your factor 3.64 percent in year one and that became age 72 i imagine that will happen again yeah. uh in the next three years hasn't happened yet self-correction of inadvertent plan and ira uh, violations without submission to the irs under the bill uh, with narrow exceptions, uh, you can self-correct the IRS employee plans. Uh, in addition, the bill would apply the same rule to inadvertent errors. So they're they're not going to hit people as hard if they make a casual mistake. Uh, that's going to also apply to uh, the penalty on not taking your required distribution. That penalty is going to go down dramatically, Brad. Um, well, it was 50% plus what you had to take out. Um, it's going uh, down to 25. Okay. And... Um, if you fail to make it, there's, they're actually going to allow some exceptions to where you can just uh, get it you, out if you, later if yeah. you have a reasonable uh, excuse. They were already doing that anyway. Uh, if you wrote a letter and said, you know, I, I have now taken it out and within uh, two years yeah. is what they generally it's said. Kind of what they allowed anyway. Right. Uh, if you missed one, uh, more catch-up contributions uh, as well. Higher catch-up contributions for individuals. Uh, 62, 63, or 64. Under the current law, employees who have attained age 50 are permitted, but the limit on catch-up contributions uh, for 2022 was 6,500. Uh, simple plans were 3,000. The bill increases these limits to 10,000 for employees uh, starting at age 62. Okay. So there's a new additional catch-up. Now, so the, the, the regular catch-up over 50 stays the same. You get to 62 to 65, even more of a catch-up. And because, I, I, who knows how the custodians are going to have this in, but the way it is now, you could, you think you're doing the max. You could be doing the max, and when you get to these catch-up ages, if you don't tell your, your administrator that you want to do the maximum plus catch-up, then you're leaving a little bit of money on the table you could be contributing. So there's a, a little bit of nudge you have to do with most custodians. Simple and SEP contributions will now be allowed to made as, as Roth. So... Not too bad. Now, typically, those are small businesses yeah. who are looking for write-offs. Yeah. Okay? But you could do a Roth, I mean, in a SEP. Well, we talked about this last week. The, the odd thing here is, are they only allowing it after a certain age? This this takes away the, uh, the, the, the real, the group that should be doing Roths anyway, which is the younger people. And being able to do uh, a, a SEP or as simple as a Roth for if you're under 50, and that way you have time. And you're also maybe in a lower tax bracket. When you get your last years of employment, I don't think anybody should be doing a Roth. Even if you were only doing a Roth up to that point, you're in a higher tax bracket. So it's more meaningful to get a tax break and you have less time to make up for that lack of tax break. So I don't Are they putting a cap on the age of when you can do that? Nope. OK. Yeah. No. And, and, there was talk of that. Yep. No, nope, yeah. not at all. So. Uh, treatment of student loan payments as elective deferrals in a 401k. So if Somebody can't afford to contribute to the 401k, they lose the match, right? Well, now the, the employer can still do the match even if the person is not participating in the 401k. Uh, they can do that safe harbor contribution as a payment of someone's student loan debt. Okay. So that's interesting. Uh, requiring automatic enrollment in retirement plans uh, as well. So that, uh, that's something that's been, been pushed and I think certainly is a good thing. Um, you have to automatically enroll at a minimum of 3%, maximum of 10, uh, automatic escalation, escalation at 1% per year up to 10 on the increases of the amount that you defer into your 401k. That's the real new part there. Uh, initially, a decade ago, it was, can we allow for automatic enrollment? Now they're requiring it and the increase getting you up to 10, I think is a vital part. All right. You want to talk about something that'll get no money into it, but it's there. Employers will be allowed to match employee contributions on a Roth basis, okay? Well, why would you do that as an employer? Well, even now, if you're doing Roth and you think you're only doing Roth, 
you get to your retirement date and you do your rollover, guess what? There's a big chunk in non-Roth. And what is it? It's your employee, their employer's contribution into the plan. Right. Because if he does a Roth or she does a Roth, your employer does a Roth, they don't get a tax deduction. So why would they do it? And they're not going to do it. I, Unless they're under the bill, employers may permit employees to elect for some or all of their matching to be treated as Roth contributions unless they're still going to give you that that write-off. Yeah, I, 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 I put it into get, a Roth and then you give me a tax deduction? I need clarification on that because yeah. I don't know how they're going to do that. Or why uh, any employer who knew who would know what they're actually doing would even do it. Right, right. Because if you're if you're not going to get the tax deduction, of course you're not going to put it in on a Roth basis. So yeah. uh, we talked about the penalty. That's number nine. Retirement plan catch-up contributions must be uh, made on a Roth basis. Under the bill, special catch-up contributions uh, permitted by reason of attaining age 50 must be made on a Roth basis under 401k, 403b. Okay, so that's the age you were talking about? Is that what you were talking about? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, I mean, if, if you're only allowed to do the Roth at a later age on the catch-up, you know. I, I don't Yeah. So they're they're not going to let you do any catch-ups on a pre-tax basis? I got to get more clarifications yeah. on that as well. I, I, yeah, that's that that's a congressman writing a, a, a bill that a financial advisor should have. Well, and I, and they, I'm they, by the way, they, I'm looking at this sheet from LPL, which put out the 10 most important provisions yeah. to, to be aware of. And their last sentence says, obviously, this is not a provision that we we supported. On, on and the I last agree, one. Yeah. And I would agree with that. Too. Yeah, it, that makes no sense. Why, why limit what people can do? Well, the point is the government doesn't like you doing pre-tax money because yeah. then they don't get the taxes. Yeah. So, so you know, we're going to follow along and see if anything else gets you know, slipped in at the last minute. It tends to happen with a lot of these bills, but you will see a little bit of changes and you should adjust your contributions accordingly. If you can put more in, mm -hmm. uh, certainly should take advantage of that. So thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next week. You've been listening to Money Sense brought to you each week by Kirsten Wealth Management Group. To contact Dennis, Brad or Kevin professionally, call 419-872-0067 or 800-875-1786. Their email address is kirstenwealth at lpl.com, and their website is kirstenwealth.com. Opinions voiced in this show are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult with your financial advisor prior to investing. Securities are offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA, SIPC. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.